What is up, kangaroo chasers? And well, first off, thank you. Thank you for helping make last week's podcast with Luc Lacoste, the president of the French Rugby League Federation. You made it our most popular episode ever in a one-week period. Um, it was phenomenal. The numbers were great. There's plenty of new kangaroo chasers out there, that's for sure. And uh, I don't think it'll be long before it's our most listened to episode ever. Uh, we could have some good, uh, some some very popular episodes coming up as well. There's been plenty of news in the rugby league world, uh, in particular North American Rugby League. There's going to be plenty of content on the pod very soon, lining a few things up, and uh, you're going to have a chance to ask questions of the people uh, that are in charge and behind it. So uh, looking forward to that. This week, we uh, we have an interview with Steve Johns, and Steve is from the Welsh Wheelchair Rugby League. Uh, really cool episode. Big T had a great chat with him. I can't wait to listen to it along with you. Uh, but first, of course, it has been a huge week. Plenty of news from all the way around the world with that big North American announcement. And Big T and I, we're going to try and unpack it uh, as much as we can, along with other things in our golden points. So let's do it. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 109 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. Good evening, Big Tobias. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm feeling better. I, I'm, I'm like deep in chocolate, like so much. If I see another fucking Cadbury bunny, I'll probably eat its ears, but like, oh That's my it. God, I'm dying. Yeah, right. Is that normal for you? Do you love smashing a bit of chocolates? I do. I, like if it's if it's sitting there unwrapped. Like, sorry, if it's sitting there wrapped, I I can look at it and be okay with it. But as soon as, like, someone sort of picks at the wrapping and grabs a little bit of the ear, then it's on for young and old. Yeah, there you yeah, go. It's my week. about uncle every day. It's my kryptonite. Mm. How was your Easter? Well, I avoided a lot of chocolate. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure why, but uh, it was good. We had, like, a Christmas lunch uh, on Sunday, like it was just one of those ones where you need to go have a nap afterwards. It was yeah. excellent. So, luckily, little slept so that I could also sleep uh, on the couch. So it was good. I, I really enjoyed that. And then when I woke up, the football started. So big wins. Happy Easter! How good's that? And what a game! Would have been my. Was it my game? Was it us? It was, was it a good game. Oh, and it, yes. it was. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, I don't know why they let that sniper into the NRL, and then why they let him keep shooting at Newcastle players, but um, <laughs> they did, and so. Now they've lost half their squad. Uh, yeah, anyway. We killed them. We bashed them. It's a good. Our forwards haven't bashed another pack for a long, long time. So I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it. Good times. And uh, Tarek Sims. How good is Jesus. he? He's been oh like, he needed that because he's had a quiet season and, and a bit. 
And like that's he, that's who he is. Like he's a weapon, mm. and he he showed mm. it. So I think I don't know what's going on. Obviously, the coach is doing a good job. Because, yeah, um, it really is. Pretty much the same squad as last year, minus Frizzell, and a couple of uh, a couple of additions as well. McCulloch's been good, but um, yeah. and I, I, you know who get who's not getting the praise that he should from a coaching perspective, and it's um Jamie Soward. Because he's been mm. working like with our halves and kicking, and like he's obviously like there's a reason Zach Lomax is like just kicking him from all over the place. Mm. This year. So I think he should be getting some more credit. But yeah, anyway, I'm sure that'll second come. most second most um, conversion kicks continuous in a row. Ever. In a row, isn't it? What's he up to? Or oh, actually, he missed one, didn't he? But I think well, ha- allegedly, it was an absolute fucking hack of a call it looked like it went in yeah i thought it went in that's why i was and then i was like hold on it's 22 but i think hasm has the record at 35 el masri i thought it was 25 no no it's like it could th- be 35. it's 35 yeah because i like, yeah, what, what, right, i think okay. hasm I, I heard him on a podcast it might have been with denim kemp he said yeah, um gotta... it's a good app if yeah it is denim it was bloke in a bar and he said um mm. he goes the record was like 31 he got to 30 then missed and then straight after that, he got thirty to thirty-five. Like he got the run to thirty-five. So he wow, got yeah, he got unreal. yeah, he got like sixty-five out of sixty-six. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fucking bullshit, man. It's incredible. Imagine like, doubling the record. Essentially, you doubled the record. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, anyway, yeah, so, he was a freak. Yeah, too good, man. Too good. Have we started recording? <laughs> what do you reckon? Yeah. Or should we just get it? Should we should we restart? Or should we just use this? I've already, I, I was recording, so whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm happy. Let's keep it rolling because people, like, just peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Like, this is just how <laughs> Big T and I, when we talk to each other, it's just like, it's we're, it's like we're recording a podcast just in general yeah. conversation. <laughs> or our podcast is at such a low standard, it's just like any idiots. Or something calls. like that, yeah, just some idiots yeah. sitting around. But yeah, the, the, the NRL has been great. I know we don't talk much NRL, but we can because my Dragons have gone three in a row, so I'm pretty happy. Like, we've, we, it, it's been a, it's been a good couple of weeks i know we had some uh the, the score lines were a bit crazy and and what i said like as a dragons fan i am happy i don't think we'll be winning the grand final but i feel like we're at the very top of the second division as i call it do you know what i mean by that yeah 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 and um so but there, there's definitely definitely a gap between the top six and the rest but ha- how do you feel about it because there's a lot of conversation big man about um like you know is it the rules is there an issue with the salary cap? Like, how, what, how do you feel about the the big gap that seems to have appeared? And, you know, is the game too fast? Like, what's going on? I think we went through a golden period in 2015, 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Maybe 18, where where we had the closest competition in the world. I know I went to a um, Tom Brock lecture where uh, Car- Car- Caravan, Dennis Caravan, I, I want to say Dennis Carnahan, and I know that's the guy from Rugby League and Musical, so it's <laughs> yeah. definitely not that. But but Car- Carnavan or Car- Caravan, um, the fact that I'm even getting any kind of name out is pretty impressive for me. But he he was pretty high up in the NRL. He was he was there that night um, giving part of the speech, and he laid out this incredible um, thing about how everyone in the NRL um, over the last I think it was ten years at the time had made the finals, and that no other competition in the world was as close as ours and so we we were fantastic and he put that to a lot of different reasons um i would put it down to it was probably a lot of what he said but also we were just really lucky that that we had a lot of great teams and that the titans and and anyone who's been bad over the 10 years did have a good year or two where they did squeak in um we've we the tigers now have had the longest run of not being in the finals but 
Um, I just think it was a purple patch and that this was normal rugby league. This is actually what rugby league is. There are better teams, there are better players, there are better coaches. Um, if you look at the early noughties, yeah. late 90s, um, even the teens to 05, like Souths were terrible in 05, 06. They were like really, really bad. And so yeah. it really wasn't that long ago. Um, it's just we have a recency bias over the last five years. The NRL has been insanely close and you'd, you'd win one game and you'd jump from um, – you jump from twelfth to to fourth, but that's not that wasn't sustainable, and um, and unfortunately during that period where we had a really close competition, the Roosters in Melbourne just kept winning it regardless yeah. of the fact that everything was really close. So now I think we might go through a period where the, the top four will interchange grand finals for a little for the next few years, and then um, and then every, everything gets changed again. I, I think it's chasing rules, chasing salary cap things might be helpful for small periods of time yes. or for extremely long periods of time. But I think anything trying to fix this season or the next season, none of that gets done by, you know, I, I read uh, uh, people talking about a draft that people were talking yeah. about because they were worried that front offices were no good. But all of that, you have a draft system. It means the incompetent front offices get even further behind because, you know, they're, they're then going to mismanage a draft. So it's just, it's, it is what it is at the moment. And eventually everything, everything in all sports is a tide and eventually – Great administrators will move, or, or you know, change to another team, and everything. Great players move and change to different teams. You know, it's great. You look through who won the last grand final over the last few years, yeah. and you'll see Melbourne and Roosters a lot, but you'll also see Canberra, um, Manly, uh, Cowboys, you know, Cowboys, been, yeah. Sharks. We had that run. South, um, all of these different teams won it uh, over and over again from twenty from twenty ten to. 2020 we had so many different teams win it so that'll happen again it's weird we um we've become obsessed with like the evenness but like not mm. you're, you're right not many other competitions around the world are like that you could point at so many different things like salary cap and you know is i don't think the salary cap is as effective as it used to be like there's obviously you know there are clubs that players want to play for and will take less money to play for and develop at and be around you know so that's immediately the salary cap doesn't work because of that. And there's probably other factors at play as well. You know, we had a whole bunch, a whole competition worth or two competition competitions worth of Intrust Super Cup and Canterbury Cup, New South Wales Cup players who didn't play last year. And all these guys are coming through the grade now to NRL. And, you know, of course, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit odd and different, but, you know, you had, it's just hard, you know, and um, it's a weird one. But for, for me, like, and look, our listeners probably hear, are hearing this sort of banter on every rugby league podcast they're listening to at the moment. And we pride ourselves on being a little bit different, but in terms of chasing kangaroos and why this conversation is relevant is because of the, um, the expansion debate. And, you know, we, we just got, we've just had news that like Brisbane too, and then possibly like New Zealand too, off the back of that is ready to go. And then all of a sudden we've had a weekend like we've just had and all the commentators and all the, all the journalists and all the, everyone, all the discussion is about, well, can we expand? Do we actually have the players? And of course, like for me, like we talk about it all the time, T, there's so much untapped potential out there that we're not, that there are so many rocks to, to be, to, that we should be looking under to find new talent. But for some reason we don't. And, and instead we just say things like, oh, you know, the competition's uneven, so we shouldn't be expanding. And it kind of, it pisses me off, to be honest with you. Oh, for sure. And and also these rule chairs and stuff have been taken up by Super League and, and stuff. And so anything that we do here that's successful or unsuccessful eventually ripples out into um, all other different parts of football. So yeah, it's an important conversation to have and, and to tweak so that we can um, get the product right. 
Mate, I also think, like, let it run. Like, let players, like, if the rule changes yeah. are, are stuffing teams around, like, give them a chance to catch up and, and get fit and, and train for the for the new style and let the coaches adjust. Like, we need to to adjust. And I think, you know, in a few years' time, if this kept going, keeps going the way it is, I think you'll find players are fitter. They can make 100 tackles in a row. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it'll just be different and... You know, I think some teams are just adjusting to things better than others. But anyway, we could probably talk about it all night, mate. Um, plenty to talk about tonight, actually, other than NRL, which is, you know, what we're really here for. Um, firstly, you've got a great interview with Steve Johns, Steve Jones, sorry, uh, from the Welsh Wheelchair Rugby League. Looking forward to it, mate. What was your, your big takeaway from your chat with Steve? Well, I knew nothing about rugby league, wheelchair rugby league. That's that was a major thing, and so I learned a lot about it. The main thing that I um, really took away from it, which I'd never thought because I, I'm, you know, stupid that like that sometimes, is that able-bodied people can do it. Yeah, and I, it was just so it made so much sense to me. You'll hear um, you'll hear Steve talk about how it's such a great sport in that it actually means that everyone can play. Yeah. If if you're unable to play standing rugby league, then um, Everyone can sit and play um, wheelchair rugby league. And so the moment he said that, it it blew my mind and it made me just realise how fantastic this sport is and how fantastic it is that we have people like Steve devoting, you know, this part of their life to making sure that it works, not not just for people who need it in their life, but also to make it a real... um, Inclusive. A real, yeah, real sport. And even more like... um, Anyone who then this is their best option, he's giving them an, an incredibly proud and, and strong yeah. way of representing their, their country. And so instead of just this this would be good for your fitness or mental health, no, this is actually a real pathway for you to represent your country and to feel proud about what you do and, and to be the best in your sport. And so, yeah, just so, so exciting, so motivating listening to him talk about it. And they're coming towards a World Cup year, so they're just also so G'd um, as they should be. Um yeah, so great. Looking forward to to the chat, man. And because Wales are the Welsh Dragons, I've decided to call this episode the Dragons of Welsh Wheelchair Rugby, uh, the Dragons of Wheelchair Rugby League, just to yeah, go good. on with your, your ti- you know, we've got a bit of a Tigers of Rugby League, Dragons of Rugby League thing going on. So I'm going to keep that rolling uh, with this yeah. with this title. Mate, great chat. Um, plenty going on around the world. So let's do some golden points. Um, because well, hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on. You've got to say what because we are very late into this. You need to do what is up at at one stage. No, I've done the what is up. I've already done what is up. I did it before I called you. I can do it again oh, for you thank if you God. like. God, no, 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 no. I'm just glad that it happened. I, I was worried. <laughs> Some people would be switching off, going, "This isn't the real card. This said, isn't the real." He episode. said, "What is up?" I want to hear Big T yeah. do the what is up one day. <laughs> one day. Or I make golden points. Um, and. I'm loving like some massive golden points this week. We everyone knows we're going to talk a little bit of North American rugby league. Let's save that till the last golden point. We won't do too many. We were, sorry, don't worry, guys. It's coming. Um, let's talk about. Uh, let me start. You want me to start this week? I think you started last time. Go for it. Yeah. All right. Sweet. All right. Golden point. Turkey, and um, love this. Love this one. Turkey will take on. The Australian Defence Force in a special curtain raiser, the Gallipoli Cup uh, curtain raiser for the Dragons v Roosters Anzac Day clash this year, and I reckon it's wow. going to be awesome. Yeah, can't wait. Going to be crazy. That feels like such a. In the moment it's now been said, this seems like such a sensible and obvious fit. Um, is this the first time it's ever happened, first, or is this just the first time I'm hearing it? No, first time ever, uh, to my knowledge, oh. and like it should have been happening for the last hundred years. Like yeah, insane. this is fantastic. I, I think the goal, like, obviously, you know, these are going to be um, 
heritage Turkish players. Um, I don't think we'll see the likes of Emre Gula there, Canberra Raider, but we'll see others. And um, it should be a, it should be a good it, like it will just mean so much on that day. Um, and hopefully the goal is to eventually take it to Turkey and get the domestic guys involved. Um, I know they're right behind oh. it because they work closely with the heritage guys in Oz. Um, but wouldn't it be cool to see like Australian Defence Force versus Turkey in Turkey in the future on Anzac Day? It would be incredible. That's the exact kind of stuff that I love about rugby league. <laughs> like that it can make this kind of stuff happen. How good is it? Because this is. Yeah, it's just, I never thought, I'd never thought of that. And now that I see it, as I said, it's just, it's such a great fit. And to do it before that game, the Dragons and Roosters have been having that game for, you know, 10, 20 years or how long it's been now, 15 years. But uh, but I don't really know why. It just, that's kind of like how we have an Easter Monday with Eels. I don't know how we got it, but we've got it. Um, and I and I now also see it as a fixture, and, I'm, and I always look forward to that game. But to have something that's actually well, meaningful is probably the wrong word. But to have something that's quite closely connected to what's actually happening that day just feels super important. It makes and, a lot of sense. Man. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. And I might I I sort of boycott um, rugby league games at the Sydney Cricket Ground because it's just hard to watch. For, it's just not a great stadium to watch football from. But I think I might have to go along, watch my dragons get beat by the Roosters, but check out Turkey versus. The ADF beforehand should now, be great. Who who would you go for in that Cubs Turkey or ADF? Yeah, I got it. You got to go for Turkey. You got you know. I want. Oh, it's like the kid. It's oh, like wow. <laughs> sandwich bet. Sandwich bet on this, please. I've never seen either team play, but I've got the, I've got Australian defence force for sure. Well, mate, speaking of sandwich bets, lucky we didn't make this one. Oh, this was hectic. <laughs> You are the you are the worst. I'm assuming you're talking about the bet that we were trying to work out what huge goal you were going to get when this happened. But of course, you somehow cursed the Silk Tails. The Windsor <laughs> Wolves have grabbed their first win of the season by holding on to a 30 to 26 win over a spirited but you know unable to get it done Cavite Silk Tails in a thrilling NRL Ron Massey Cup that was on it was over the weekend. It must have been on Friday. Um, that's they've gone zero and two, and I think the first one was quite. Big, wasn't it? Like, what was the first score? First loss was big. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't know. It was uh, it was I big. But um, that, look, it was close. They nearly scored on the bell. But um, I think the Silk Tails will get better. But well, actually, what I think doesn't matter because obviously, I'm, I've, obviously, I'm way off. I, I thought yeah, they'd go undefeated, up. and uh, since I've said that, <laughs> haven't haven't won a game. But uh, glad yeah. we didn't put a sandwich bet on it. But I'll still buy you a sandwich Thanks, anyway. Mate. We'll still do it. Thanks, mate. <laughs> mate, uh, Golden Point Brazil. One of my favourites, and of course, uh, Brazil proudly sponsored by ChasingRoos.com. And after an impressive early season 60 to nil victory over Uruguay, the Brazil Rugby League have announced three more international matches for their men's team this year. Uh, This was so exciting when I saw this. So exciting. So good to see. And there's some different games there that you wouldn't expect to see. Because, like, usually the South American teams play each other and they get, like, because they've got very close ties. Uh, but yeah, um, Brazil will take on the Philippines on the thirteenth mm-hmm. of June. Turkey can't wait for that one. Turkey pops up again on the second of October, and uh, El Salvador uh, will be October to be announced with the date. Um, so great to see three matches for Brazil. Now, again, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. These are most. These are probably going to be staged in Australia, Queensland, and New South Wales. Um, the, it's it's been tough for the Brazilian domestic guys. Over in Brazil, it's hard for them to get out of country or plan or do anything like that and play and play internationals. But what's important for Brazil is 
is working on their international rugby league rankings. I think they're ranked 41 in the world at the moment and they want to climb. They want to grow and they want to push for a World Cup for 2025 for the men. The women, of course, Oof. are already there. But they want to keep growing and in order to do that, you've got to play games. Uh, are you hearing me, Australian kangaroos? You've got to play games. Um, so the Brazilians are doing that <laughs> and it's it's the, the Aussie the Aussie Brazilians that are that are carrying the load at the moment because of COVID. Um, also important to point out, I will say that uh, most of the squad, the Aussie-based squad, were actually born in Brazil anyway. So um, that's actually really unique and really cool. So looking forward to finding out where these games are. And, um, yeah, we'll try and be there like we were with the Uruguay game. Yeah, that Philippines game, I really want to get to. I'm a big Filipino fan, so uh, I can't wait to go and see those guys. Also, I, I vaguely remember the, the lock for... Um, Brazil, my God, I can't remember his name. Far out, he was great. So I sort of just want to go and see him play football again. He was, um, he was fantastic. Great to see Turkey jumping up twice. So you think that'll be the same team that's playing the Australian Defence Force and losing to give me a sandwich is probably the same team playing <laughs> against Brazil? Yeah, it'll probably be the same squad. Yeah, great. That's so exciting. And do you think? I know you said you, we're not too sure New South Wales Queensland, but do you think either of them will be back at that? Like it's a good chance that they'll be back at that um, ground we were at the other day at Liverpool because it was a great little stadium. Uh, potentially, yeah, potentially. They've got a good relationship with a lot of the Latino nations. They've had Latino nines there as well. At, um, on, yeah, okay. On, uh, where was uh, Anyway, we'll, f- we'll figure it out when yeah. it gets close to the date. But, yeah, potentially, mate. I've been, we've been talking for a long time without talking about the Tigers, so I just want to also point out that the West Tigers women um, train out of that <laughs> Liverpool stadium. Yep. And I, I love that little, uh, I love that little stadium because it's got those iconic um, apartments in the background, so they're really easy to identify now. Um, speaking about being out west, New South Wales Western Corridor. So uh, the New South Wales Rugby League is pretty sure that they'll get a Western New South Wales up with a successful generations to come after today's announcing an exciting new Western Conference system for 2022. And so that's got, I think that's that whole group thing. Um, group 10, group 11, all those groups that are out there. I've never fully understood group 6, group 25. Whenever you talk to anyone from country rugby league, they know exactly what you're they talking about. They know exactly about. where they are, yeah, what group they're Yeah, in. and I love that about them. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, and so there seems to be something happening out there, uh, which, which is exciting. It's great to see New South Wales Rugby League has just been so active over the last three years or so, really trying to do a lot of different things in a lot of different parts of New South Wales to to generate more rugby league and more rugby league fans, more rugby league players. And I think it's been a success so far. Yeah, well, and look, now that they've merged with the CRL, Country Rugby League, um, they have to. They need to be pushing it. And um, we want to win the hearts and minds of these of, of country New South Wales again because um, some of the best players we've ever seen have come from some of these places. So True. good to see. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it goes well, man. And, and hopefully you get to go out and call some games, mate, with your, your role at New South Wales Rugby League as well. <laughs> That's right. Thanks. <laughs> the other great thing, Carbs, about Group Ten, Group Eleven, is that Group Ten has a Dragons team and no Tigers team. So they um, over there, they've got the Mudgy Dragons in uh, Group Ten, but in Group Eleven, no Dragons, but they do have the Nigan Tigers. So I'm glad to hear New South Wales Rugby League working so well with those country rugby league teams and that the Tigers and Dragons go well this year. Sounds great, mate. Mudgy Dragons, my favourite country rugby league team. And um, <laughs> apart from the Gerringong, is it Gerringong Tigers? Uh, but yeah, Mudgy Dragons. And big shout out if you're in Mudgy. And this is not uh, not a paid advertisement, but uh, yeah, Robert Steen Winery, good <laughs> friends of mine. And uh, the, the wonderful Pipe Clay Pump House web house, uh, uh, restaurant 
Fantastic. Uh, not not a paid sponsorship, guys. Golden Point. Let's go back to France after uh, last week's episode. Speaking of, speaking of games that I want to call, let's go back to France. Yes. Let's definitely go back to France. Actually, speaking of places we want to be, yeah. uh, 2025, we asked the question of Luke Lacoste. So I asked the question last week, could he see France hosting a World Cup soon? I, I threw the year 2029 out there. He played. He, he said he played the Joker card. I'll play my Joker card. He knew what was going on, mate. And uh, Tony Grant, chair of the International Rugby League, last week has announced uh, that efforts have begun to take the 2025 Rugby League World Cup tournament back to where it began mm. in 1954. Uh, he said that returning the World Cup to France was a targeted and strategic priority. Luc Lacoste is happy to help, of course, and I think the Rugby League community would really get behind this, especially the kangaroo chasers. And it's two biggest fans uh, on the phone because uh, we're two of the biggest kangaroo chasers there is. And this is, well, I mean, we were both so excited that you were even getting that phone call. Uh, after you spoke to the New Zealand bloke and now the France bloke, like it, it's just yet again showing that this podcast is doing great work uh, and with you at the helm, Carbonara, and to also then see just the thing that you and I were doing World Cup episode not long ago, I was, I was talking to Andrew RLP and he was giving us that inside scoop about what France was doing and how the Second World War had, you know, stitched them up with rugby union and the Nazis and all this weirdness happening around France. And I think he's, I think Andrew in that episode had said that he really wanted to see France come up again. That's the big thing that he'd always wanted. And now, a year later, a bit over a year later, here we are hearing that France is on a real surge uh, and the World Cup's probably going to happen there. It's just so exciting, man. Um, and if any of our new listeners do want to listen to your chat, with um with Andrew RLP. It was episode sixty. It's called World Cup nineteen fifty four and it's probably one of our first we always talk about the future and where the game is going. Mm. That's one of the first times and I loved it and we should probably do it again soon, but we took a look back at that first World Cup in nineteen fifty four, episode sixty. Uh so if you're new to the show or if you just want to listen to it again, uh go check that out. Mate, um well there's one more golden point that we need to get yeah, to. Now- there is. I just want to quickly talk oh, yeah. about Give Matt me. Haynes' sport because oh, good. I've just recently started watching the Women's Rugby League in New South Wales yeah. and uh, there was an incredible night of ecstasy that I had last night after the West Tigers put up a valiant effort against the Eels. I came home, watched New South Wales Rugby League TV and saw the Helensburg Tigers um, playing the MacArthur West Tigers. Now, fantastic job and uh, fantastic football, but both of them playing in Tigers garb uh, was was mildly challenging to see, but whoever's helping them in Helensburg, they must have someone like Matt Haynes because their jersey was fantastic and, and easy to differentiate enough. Still looked like Tigers, but didn't look like the MacArthur West Tigers. So anyone in and around that area who's, because it's a new team, Helensburg Tigers completely new, they haven't ever played before. Hel- wow. Helensburg Tigers is a club, had men's, but this is the first time it's had a women's one. So anyone else around that that part of the world in that Illawarra district or any part of Australia or, or any part of the world that wants to do what Helensburg did, got some great gear. They should also get around someone like Matt Haynes at matthaynesport.com, matthaynesport.com.au. No, I think it's just, <laughs> I'm just so used to hearing uh, the other one where we had to say both those things. So just Google Matt Haynesport. <laughs> Matt Haynesport. Tell him you're a kangaroo chaser. Get 10% off your kit design. And speaking of Matt Haynes, and this is probably a good segue, um, we, he and I, have sat down and written some notes. Uh, we're going to write a blog article uh, for the new ChasingRoos.com website and also get some social media posts. So make sure you're following at ChasingRoos uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and at ChasingRoosPod on Twitter. And, um, yeah, we've scored and given some advice 
for all of the North American Rugby League clubs for their brand for their branding. So all of right. them find out who our favourites are, and uh, yeah, follow along because um, it's gonna it was a little bit of fun, and hopefully we don't offend anyone. But um, yeah, check that out on the social soon. Myself and Matt Hainsport. I saw Cleveland getting a lot of love. Um, a lot of Australians were loving that guitar shape and the pick and the whole thing and the skull. Cleveland getting a lot of love. So let's do that now, Cubs. The time is now. The North American League will have a 14-team competition. 14? Like it's just so- – anyway. Uh, and round one will kick <laughs> off in June 19. I should get through the whole point before I start getting excited about it. It's going to kick off June 19 in Brooklyn. I mean, that sounds so cool. And then the next game's in Vegas in June 20. Like – I mean, if anyone else isn't getting super excited with this, you're crazy. Uh, I think there's, there's like everything in America, there's going to be two conferences. Uh, there's an East one and a West one. The East has got Atlanta, Boston, Brooklyn, Cleveland, New York, and Washington. I can't believe I'm reading these cities out. And the Western Conference is Austin, one of my favorite cities in the entire world. Los Angeles, Phoenix, um, Portland, San Diego, and San Francisco. Um, and so also, um, I just think... This is where I'm getting super excited. So, so are you hearing we're playing in Brooklyn, we're playing in Las Vegas, and and we're you know Cleveland, New York, Atlanta, Austin. These are legit like insane cities, and they're going to be playing rugby league. Some of them already play rugby league, but they're playing in a 14 team competition. We have 16 teams. You know what I mean? Like that's a huge mm. amount. If, if it was 10 or eight, I'd be like, yeah, great, that's a good number. Anything less than that. I, it looks emerging and, and people are working really hard on the, on the ground and when they have comps of three or four or six, you're like, okay, I can see people working really hard and they're getting stuff sorted. But when you're in 14, like, that's it. I can't imagine they might expand, but they, if they run 14 for the next 10, 15 years, this, this competition has been a huge success. Definitely. I can see some expansion because there's, um, you mentioned the East and West Conference. There's also the Canada Cup, uh, which is ah. Toronto and Ottawa. They'll play each other this year but they're set to take part in the Eastern Conference in 2022. So there's right. going to be eight in the East and then six in the West. So I reckon there's room for, like if I was to guess, let's say there's room for a Los Angeles uh, and maybe a Vancouver or something like that. Oh, my that. God, of course, Los Angeles. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say there's room for, for some expansion there. I think they're just going to, you know, I'm sure there's plans in place. I'll see how they go. But um, it was obviously the biggest news. It came out on uh, April 1st, Australian time, and a lot of people were saying, yeah, okay, Whatever, I think you're one of them, Big T. But um, oh, so I was, it's just so <laughs> huge. I was like, this can't be happening. But it was March 31 in the states where uh, yeah. where the the competition, the North American Rugby League, was unveiled and um, sent some shockwaves through the developing rugby league world. I think. Yeah, I'm so Jed, and uh, I love Toronto, and so I'll be all about the Toronto Wolfpack. But uh, I just. Just looking at that, like Austin's going to be such a great, like I just love Austin as a city. Reading those out without them seeing as teams, I just really love a lot of those cities. And so yeah, I, I can just feel my heart's going to get pulled all over the place, that whole competition, it's, which is going to be great for me because it means half the time I won't be able to lose. But as we also know about being great fans, Cubs, is that you can just sit down and watch a game and your team doesn't have to be in it. You just find out which one you want to win by uh, how hard you ride someone who makes a break. So yeah, exactly. I, yeah, just I just can't wait to see this competition start. Yeah, exactly, mate. I'm I'm with you. Like, I don't know who to. I, I mean, you said you're a Toronto fan, right? But so I'm a Toronto fan, um, but like in the USARL, supporting Brooklyn, you know. And of course, like, so like, who do I support now? Like, it's tough. So, mm, but I don't mm, know. I'm mm. just gonna I'm just gonna let it happen, and you know, maybe there'll be there'll be an expansion Dragons team one day that I can get behind. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, mate. Um, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have. 
one of the uh, one of the people behind the competition on the show, hopefully next week. And what we'll do is, again, follow us on the socials at Chasing Ruse, and uh, we'll give you guys an opportunity to ask any questions you like, throw them at us, and um, I'll ask as many questions as I can on that episode. So we'll do that. It's it's kind of what we do now. Everyone expects that of us, similar to what we did with the Triple CRL a couple of weeks ago, what we have did with other other competitions and things mm. like this in the past. So opportunities will be there. We're also going to try and get some other episodes happening as well. So I reached I, I reached out, had a chat with the guys from the Ottawa Aces today. Um, we'll get someone on from the Aces soon to talk about them because that's an interesting one. Um, will the Aces... Will the Aces um, continue on their RFL path and try and get to Super League, or will they scrap that now that this is happening? Um, so, I've, right. my, like my mail is that they're going to try and do both. Uh, I have read that they're going to they're they're going to stay, they're going to stick to the the US and Canada now. But my mail is that they'll do both. So we'll ask them directly, and um, yeah, we'll we'll get a few episodes around this in the next few weeks because I think there's plenty of questions. I'm sure you've got a few questions, Big T in your mind as well. And, um, you know, there's plenty that we'd like to see answered. Do you want to hear them now? Yeah. Well, I might try and answer some of your questions if you want, if, if I can, because I've, I've been, I've well, got my ear to the ground. What, how's this going to work with the triple C R L? So I know you just said then that Otto was trying to, you know, not play stuff in a, in the super league now, but can the triple C R L be a league and still be a competition and work in Canada and, Toronto and Ottawa not be in it, or or yeah, do they does the Triple CRL now try and work with this new American league? What what's the deal there? Oh, I think they'll be separate. Like I haven't spoken to the Triple CRL about their thoughts, and I probably should about their thoughts on um on this new competition. I I knew that both of these, so I kind of heard about both of the competitions in December January, um for the first time. I sort of knew that they were both happening, but I don't know if they knew about each other at the time. It's kind of a surprise when when the Triple CRL. Uh, announced themselves, the NARL guys were sort of going, oh, where'd this come from? And then when the NRL, NARL announced themselves, the Triple CRL guys were saying, oh, where'd these come from? So it's interesting to see. I think competition's not a bad thing. They're both sort of different. They've got di- very different models, uh, very different strategies. I think they'll just both go about their business. I think Triple CRL will go about their own business. Uh, Toronto, Wolfpack and Ottawa Aces were not really, or had nothing to do with that anyway. Um, so yeah. it's just more rugby league in North America. And, and it's, yeah, I think it's exciting. And because they're playing essentially the same sport, they'll, they'll, they might have some kind of Super Bowl thing at the end of it where they play each other. Or oh, Who knows what will happen. Like, I, look, I don't know yeah. if that's in the plans or in discussions or, you know, I don't know. They're, they're, like I said, their strategies are different and they're, they're, yeah. their models are different. So I think we just see how that plays out. It's, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot going on around. So... The big talk about this has been like where where's it come from and who's actually involved and who's behind it and I know like you know there's obviously people that understand uh, the rugby league landscape over there would know about the USARL the North and South Conference and the the North and the Northern Conference is pretty much obliterated with this because I think a lot of the clubs in that in that East Conference so if you're looking at Boston Brooklyn. Um, yeah. Washington Atlanta. is the old Nova. Atlanta's from the South. So here's the thing, right? So there's most of the contra- any controversy that you would have heard about this big T has come from um, from the USARL or from guys not knowing about that. Because, and I've heard like, for example, that 
um, the Brooklyn Kings, they came out, they made a statement saying they will defend their championship title because they're the recent champions of the USARL. They'll defend their title in the in the NARL. So I don't think they'd be taking part in the USARL. And most of those northern clubs will will do that. I think Atlanta have come out and said that they would like to play in both the USARL and the NARL. So look, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. The USARL haven't came out and made an official statement. I have heard behind the scenes that they're sort of just waiting to see. They're letting it play out and they kind of don't believe it until they see it, I think, is, is sort of what's going mm. on there. The the bit that surprised me the most is um, some of the clubs in in the Eastern Conference. Oh, sorry, in the Western Conference. So you're Austin, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Portland, San Diego, San yeah, Francisco. Las Vegas. It's interesting. And so, like, I, I started hearing about this competition, as I said, probably December, January. And the Eastern Conference, when I heard about it first, the Eastern Conference looked pretty much exactly as it did when it was announced. As it did when it was announced, so not a lot changed. There was probably one club in there that was different to when I first heard about this. Uh, but the Western Conference surprised me because I didn't know anything about it. I knew there was a Western Conference. I didn't know who the clubs were, and I believe that the California Rugby League were sort of in discussions to to provide some of those clubs our friends at the California Rugby League, that sort of stopped for whatever reason. And I'm sure we'll find out more about that mm. in the future. Uh, but the, And that's the other thing. So you've got, so we've got this whole landscape of rugby league in, the, in North America now. We've got, um, we've got the North American Rugby League, we've got the Triple CRL, we've got the USARL, mostly in that Southern Conference now. We've got the California Rugby League. We've got the guys in Oregon doing things, the guys in... in um, in uh, Chicago, the Stockyarders still doing things. Yeah. We've got guys, we've got the BC Rugby League, so the British Columbia Rugby League in Canada who, you know, they they said they didn't know anything about this either, you know, and, you know, they would be great to sort of probably host the Vancouver side in this competition in future, but they didn't know anything about it either, and they're the strongest competition in, in Canada at the moment. You know, you've got Alberta, you've got, you know, there's so much going on. So I guess the the, the thing, what I'll say is, I'm very supportive of rugby league in North America, very supportive of all of these organizations and conferences. Really hope that the North American Rugby League, I think they're going to do some great things. I think it's really exciting. I can't wait to speak to them and get some of our questions answers, answered because there's still quite a few questions there. And um, yeah, for me, like I want to know where these Western Conference clubs came from. I'd also like to know like who owns the Wolfpack now? What, yeah. what is the situation there? Um, there's a lot going on and sorry, Big T, you can tell I'm excited because I haven't stopped talking for the last six minutes about it. <laughs> so I'm, I love I'm it. sorry about that, but, um, we, we promise, um, I know a lot of kangaroo chasers probably wanted tonight's episode to be all about this. So we want to give them as much information as we can. We'll let you guys know that that big episode with the Q and a it's coming and, um, look out for it soon. The biggest question I would obviously have to any of those clubs or administrators is where is there a Tigers team and can I please have a Tigers team? <laughs> See, that's the thing. I'm dis- I was dis- not, I'm not disappointed. Like, it's awesome. But um, so Ryan Burrow's team, the um, the Washington DC Cavalry, um, I would have loved for that to be like the Dragons because they've got their old, the old Washington side was the Slayers and they used to wear the Red V, the Dragon oh. Slayers. So that would have been cool. But anyway, it is what it is. Rob, uh, Ryan. Sorry, mate, but love what you're doing, man. Um, I just think Las Vegas Blackjacks, I feel like that's a little a touch on the nose, and so Las Vegas would be my first 
people to think Las Vegas Tigers could work. There's a lot of crazy Tiger people, you know, who like keep Tigers in their own houses. <laughs> I can see that. Area, so like the White Tigers or something. Yeah, anyway. All good, man. Yeah, maybe next Maybe next time. Exciting times. But, yeah, like I said, there'll be a few, you can expect a few episodes on the North American Rugby League coming soon. And, uh, of course, that competition as well um, is going to be streamed. Uh, and I haven't told you this yet, Big T. Oh, you do know that it's going oh, to be streamed by Sports Flicks, who also yeah. um, currently stream um, Serbian Rugby League and Balkan Super League. And the mm-hmm. part that I haven't told you is that uh, the Sportsflix guys got in touch with me yesterday oh. and they would like us to give away five subscriptions to our Kangaroo Chaser audience. Um, so I thought they were going to ask us to commentate pubs. <laughs> oh. They probably would ask you to commentate, Big T. You and Nate Gladden, I could see like a good little colour commentary oh team. I could see that Holy happening. Holy crap. Because I do know I that. I would love to do that. Well, I do know that Nate, Nate, Gladden. Nate will be doing some commentary for this competition. And um, he and I actually due to talk about it on his podcast soon. So look out for that if you want to hear more about it as well. Um, Someone but- woke up that bear because he's been hibernating for a while. They announced this and then on my socials, pretty much I saw you guys post about it. And the next thing was a video from Meg Gladden, like in his car somewhere driving through America needed to talk about it. I was, yes, we're back, baby. America's back. Well, I think, I think Nate has known th- that this has been coming and uh, for quite some time. And he's just been recharging the batteries and he's back, baby. So it's good to hear Nate back. Can't wait, buddy. I know you're listening, mate. Can't wait to hear some more of you. Uh, so you with your sexy American accent talking about rugby league in America. Cannot wait. Um, mm. Man, I think that's I think that's all I've got. I, I, T, our golden points are getting longer and longer. I think we're going to have to think about like separating, like having special golden point episodes of this mm. podcast because it's um it's probably my one of my favorite parts of the of our podcast every week and I love chatting to you, but maybe we need like a, we need to find a sponsor for golden points and then we'll just like, we'll have a bonus golden points episode every couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to do two episodes a week with you, Carl. So, <laughs> so we could do, we'd do a golden ep- golden points episode and then a interview. Because the other thing is, the other side of that is we could just stop doing interviews, but there are so many things happening in the world of rugby league. So many voices um, that need to get recorded and spread that we definitely can't stop doing interviews. So, well, yeah, the only thing is two episodes or, uh, yes, yeah, split the episodes probably. Let's let's think about that. But, yeah, the interviews are important, just like your chat with uh, with Steve Jones from the Welsh Wheelchair Rugby League. And uh, I think we've been, you and I, as much as I love talking to you, the listeners are probably saying, let's get to that interview, boys. So, Big T, I'm going to say goodbye to you until next week, my friend. And uh, looking forward to the chat with Steve Jones. Sitting patiently on the phone for me today is the head coach and trustee of North Wales Crusaders Wheelchair Rugby League and Wales Wheelchair Rugby League, Steve Jones. Welcome to Chasing Kangaroos, sir. Pleasure to be here, Mason. How are you today? I'm feeling good. Do you often find that Wheelchair Rugby League is a tongue twister for you or have you got over that? It's We've got over it now. When you actually <laughs> see the full name of our charity, it gets even worse. So, wheelchair <laughs> rugby league's easy to say. <laughs> say the whole thing for me, then. I'd love the challenge. Well, the actual name of our charity that runs the club is North Wales Crusaders Wheelchair Rugby League and Disability Sports Association. Yes, well, that's the tongue. <laughs> so, wheelchair rugby league's easy to say now. <laughs> Now, also, I heard, I think, briefly on the radio today uh, uh, that it's St. David's Day, 
and and they're the patron, yep. they're the patron state of Wales. What, what does that mean anything to you or to Welsh people normally? Oh, of course it does. Tell it's me about our it. patron saints. What proud to be Welsh. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know much about it. So it just means it was a Welsh Welsh person who was sainted. Yep. Okay. Great. He's the patron saint of Wales. He's next to God to us, oh, for once wow. of another word. <laughs> and do you think he would have been a wheelchair rugby league fan? Well, he'd have been a rugby league fan, definitely, whatever version. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Anyone in their right mind is, come on. <laughs> That's right. Now, how did you get into it then? How, how, what was the first thing that got you into rugby league? Um, rugby league, well, I was brought up as a young rugby union mainly as a youngster because there just wasn't any league clubs around where I lived. Mm -hmm. uh, rugby league, I got into that quite late on, really. It was mainly through my son. Um, wanted to go and watch a Super League game in Wrexham when Crusaders first moved up here. Uh, then wanted to take part in a scheme that they were running around the Wrexham area called Street Games which is basically find a rough piece of ground, teach kids how to play rugby league. So I took him to that. Next thing you know, I'm one of the coaches and referees for that and <laughs> never looked back. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. How long ago was yeah, that? that uh, that's going back to 2011, 2012 now. Oh, my God. So, so in eight years, you're now the head coach of... of of the Crusaders Wheelchair Rugby League team. Yeah, and the Welsh national team as well. And the Welsh Wheelchair Rugby League team. Yep. Yeah, wow. And so how, tell me about that journey. How did you get from from seeing your child play in the street to being a, a national coach? Um, well, there was a gentleman involved in the rugby league in North Wales, Matt Pritchard. He asked, me if I fancied helping out with the new team they were setting up for juniors, uh, Rex and Bradley Raiders. So went along. Um, somehow I ended up becoming the head coach and <laughs> chairman of that club. <laughs> then uh, 2013, they launched uh, Wheelchair Rugby League with Crusaders, Wales Rugby League and Disability Sports Wales. So we were invited to go along. Just got hooked on the game. I was no longer able to play myself, normal rugby, and neither was my son because of um, epilepsy. So we went along, started playing a bit, got asked if I fancied helping out with the coaching of it. And within a couple of years, got made head coach. Um, 2014, I applied for the assistant coach's job at Wales Rugby League for wheelchair. Uh, got that, and in 2016, I became the head coach. Wow. Does your son still play? Yeah, he, uh, he's one of our Super League players, and he's also a Welsh international as well. Wow, that's incredible. And so you both made this journey together. Yeah, and that is the beauty with the wheelchair version. Doesn't matter how old you are, if one of you's got a disability or not, we've got families that play together. Wow. Like a lot, you mean like parents or, or brothers, sisters, that kind yeah, of thing? We've had fathers and sons. Uh, my grandson used to play for us. 
Uh, we've got another player. He's actually the eldest international in the world. Wow. And wow. he plays with his grandson as well. That's incredible. Sometimes. How old was he? Uh, John, he's currently 68, I think. Wow. And he's the eldest international. That's amazing. Because <laughs> you guys have some other records that we'll get to later. So I just love that that uh, North Wales Crusaders and, and Wales Wheelchair Rugby League are just kicking so many goals and, and, and just ticking so many boxes. It's amazing. So in your role now mm-hmm. as, as head coach, what, what are your day-to-day or, or what's your year looking like as a coach? Um, uh, it usually starts literally a month before the season ends yep. where we're starting to look at registrations and the upcoming season, booking the training venue, uh, ensuring all our wheelchairs are getting maintenance. Uh, usually about January, we look at joining the various leagues, and working out who's going to play in what team and what kit we're going to need for the coming year. Mm. And in a normal year, the season will kick off for wow. us training in February with season launch March-April. Wow. And then that takes us right through till normally September, October. Oh, wow. When we do our own uh, end of season awards. And then it started two years ago, but it's been put on hold now. Yeah. Because of the pandemic, the NFL do their end of season awards as well for wheelchair. And so which competition, we have people listening to this podcast from all parts of the, all corners of the globe. And so what competition is is the Crusaders, the North Wales Crusaders, playing in? Right. Well, we play in our, the league structure is we have a Super League. Yeah. And then we have two, maybe three this year, Championship Leagues which uh, go from development to those teams that are not quite up to Super League level, as well as two Cup challenges throughout the year. And Crusaders, we have a team in Super League, which has been in the Super League now since 2014. Wow. And we also have, two additional teams in the Championship Leagues. Um, We are the only team in the UK and worldwide to have three competing teams in league fixtures. Yeah, wow. At wheelchair level. And we also take part in both cup tournaments. Wow. And are you you coaching that Super League team? Yeah. I'm I'm the main coach for the whole club. Uh, during training, I'm the one for the Super League, but during match days, one of the assistant coaches takes over, Harry, who's actually my son, who's a level two coach as well. So he looks after the Super League on match days because occasionally I still have to play with the championship team. Oh, wow. Show low on numbers. <laughs> wow. Your family is really ingrained into this club and, and has so many... Uh... So many fingers in so many important pies. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I've got my daughter as well. She's now acts as team manager for us. Amazing. <laughs> what are some of the best developments you've seen um, since getting involved in 2012? It's just been the growth and the way that Wales Rugby League are now embracing our version of the sport right. as well. 
Um, like North Wales Crusaders in 2013 was the only wheelchair team in Wales. Uh, now you're talking there's four Welsh teams now, or four Welsh clubs, not mm, teams, mm, mm. as well as the growth in it worldwide and through the rest of the UK. So it's just been the way people are taken to the sport and it's just growing at a phenomenal rate. And why is it? Can you tell me a bit about Wales Rugby League outside of Wheelchair Rugby League? What's the kind of history or, or that's happening there? Because I know it's a bit of a strong union um, country, hence you also having a childhood with it. Well, what's kind of its story in Wales? Well, the first ever professional game for Wales in Rugby League was against international, was against New Zealand in 1908. Oh, wow. Um, can't quite remember the score. It was a little bit before my time, even though looking at me, you'd think it wasn't. <laughs> but 2005, come, jumping up to recent days, um, Wales actually became their own governing body, the WRL. So even though we're still associated with the RFL, which is the governing body for the UK, we now have our own we are our own governing body so mm. we make our own decisions and go from there so it's all good stuff coming from wales now um new ceo being in post about 12 months gareth Keir, really pushing the other versions of rugby league now not just the men's running team mm. we've got women's uh pdrl which they've lined us up for this year's World Cup. Uh, LDRL, which is the Learning Disabilities version, that's getting a look at starting properly soon. And of course, the big push with the wheelchair. So a lot of good stuff coming out the WRL at the moment. And why do you think that is? Why has there been such a cultural shift? Is it just down to that CEO change? Or is there is there a general cultural change in Wales? Or I think a lot of it is a general cultural change. People are realising now that, yeah, just because you got disability doesn't mean you've only got basketball or murder ball available, which have only ever been the two main ones. Mm. But Gareth is such a passionate man about it. And as he likes to say, diversity is in the DNA of Wales Rugby League. And he has been a great driving force. He's given us all the tools we need to help create the sport and make it bigger in Wales. Well, Steve, I'd love you to, to go in a bit of detail on there because I also know that a lot of people um, who listen to this across across our channels are also creating leagues um, in different ways and, and some of them creating wheelchair ones. So can, can you be specific about what that CEO has done recently that's really helped you and the people around you to, to get that competition going and going well? Well, one of the biggest things he's done for us this year alone, he has got uh, the wheelchair team accepted by the Welsh government as an elite sport, as elite athletes, which that on its own is a massive step up. Right. Um, he gets behind all the local clubs and he is now trying to get them all to look at taking on women's wheelchairs yep. and PDRL teams as part and parcel of the club's makeup. So it's not so much anymore with a standalone version of the sport. We are getting into grassroots level properly. 
So, so he's quite active, you, you think, in, in encouraging clubs that already have a running men's team to take on other forms of the sport in, each, in, in the um, clubs that have already been started. Oh, definitely. Right. It's a big passion of his to make sure that the future of rugby league in Wales is sustainable. And the best way to do that is not create standalone teams, work from your pre-existing clubs, help set up new clubs. Yeah. Does North Wales Crusaders have a running team? Yeah. Uh, North Wales Crusaders is one of the only two professional stroke semi-professional teams in Wales. The other one being uh, West Wales Raiders. Um, North Wales Crusaders also have junior teams. We've got a wheelchair team. Um, If it hadn't been for the pandemic, we were going to be the first club in Wales setting up a PDRL team, physically disabled. That's still going to hopefully happen this year just depending on when we get our return to playback. And there is talk of looking up women's teams in the future. Yeah, wow. That's fantastic. And is there much of a – how is it going getting juniors there in in all of those different facets? Is it it a challenge to find kids to come and play? It's the same with any sport, really. You get them young enough and they're there. They're loving it. However, as soon as they start hitting their – teenage years and finding girls and all sorts, you do tend to get that drop off. Right. Which we see that whatever version of whatever sport it is. But getting the kids there at a young enough age, like the club I used to run, our youngest age group was under fives. Wow. Well, you get them at under five, by the time they're 12, 13, the sport's ingrained in them. Mm. And you've got a much better chance of keeping hold of them and then going up into senior clubs and the pathway is just superb for kids in Wales now. What, how does that work with um, wheelchair rugby league? Is it, is it only an opens um, competition or are there kids' versions? Is there an age restriction? The age restriction is mainly looked at a club at international level and they say now it's a minimum age of 16 to play at international which is understandable because kids under 16 are not always able to cope with the pressure of international level or their bodies can't but like our club now our youngest player is five wow or it was five and our oldest was six was John in his sixties. Yeah, I love it. So there's no set age group. But what we try to do is well, in Crusaders, for instance, I will always look at the team we're playing against before I'll allow our juniors on, or depending how long our juniors will get to play each game. It's just purely to ensure that the child's out enjoying themselves, but they're not going to get pushed around by the bigger people in the wheelchairs, which can happen. Yeah, okay. Just purely because of size. Yeah. Okay, now I'd love you to, this is a great time for you to shift and, and explain to anyone who is a rugby league fan listening to this, but who hasn't come into contact much with wheelchair um, version of the game. What are some of the major differences um, that, that you would notice straight away between the two different sports of the running game and the wheelchair game? Right. The biggest one you'll see is we sit it, we're wrapped around a lump of steel. 
Yeah. <laughs> we sit down <laughs> to play our version. Yeah. <laughs> but the rules, if you look at both games, you will see straight away that ours is rugby league. Right. The only we still have the six tackles, um, defensive lines. The only big difference is there's no scrums in wheelchair. It's controlled restarts, and kicking is done with a closed fist. That's and scoring everything else exactly the same. Well, Just big okay. differences. You only have five players on the course. And tackling's done through tags. Am, am I remembering that right? Yeah, tackling's done through a tag. You take the tag off the opponent's shoulder, and that's your first, second, third, fourth, fifth tackle. And it's done whenever you feel like. You can do drop goals. We take conversions. The only difference with the conversion, the T is slightly taller, so it's level with the top of the wheel. <laughs> and can you palm and things like that? Like if someone's going for your tag, can you, you lash out at their arm to stop them? No, there's um, that's classed as an illegal tackle. You can try and avoid them. Yeah. But palming, no, it's not something we've done. But anything else tends to go. Yeah, wow, okay. And how is it finding referees um, in that part of the world to, to referee that sport? It's actually not too bad. Um, we've got a good group of referees at the moment, headed by a gentleman called Steve Abel. And he's been great for the sport. Uh, Wales have now just appointed a head of wheelchair referees as well. So, and it's on the Our League app, you're now able to do your uh, theory assessment for the game. Mm. And then once everything's back to normal, we'll look at putting more referees through their practical. So, I think one of the ideas, especially with Wales now, is to have a minimum one or two referees per club so that we're growing the game ourselves. And I believe the RFL are hoping to do something similar as well. Right. Okay, now I want you to put your Wales, your international coach hat back on. Yeah. What are you looking for when you're, when you're I know you're a Crusaders coach, so you're, you're watching lots of different teams and the season that way, but what are you looking for as that international Wales coach in a wheelchair player to be selected for Wales? What are the key criteria you're trying to look for? Passion. Really? Pride and passion in the game and in playing for Wales. If you want to use Wales as your second choice country, not interested. Wow. You need to have the pride to put on that red shirt and forget everything for the next 80 minutes apart from your teammates and the Dragon. And the dragon, I love that, of course. The Welsh dragon. Yeah, yeah. And so for the last five years, have you found that challenging to find or, or, has, or has been selecting teams been an easier thing for you to do? Purely because of the dem demographic size, Wales, it has been a struggle. Uh, 2014, when myself and Lana took over, we literally had seven players going to our first tournament. Um, we did a COVID-safe one training session last month. I had something like 17 players. Wow. We've got 29 on the box now trialling for Wales for this year's upcoming matches and tournaments. So, hold on. In seven years, so, it went from seven to, 20, to 29. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's grown exponentially. Whether it's because... 
we're attracting more players now because the game itself is growing more in Wales or people are now seeing the success the Welsh squad are having. Yeah. Like world rankings came out the other year. We're now ranked third in the world. Yeah. And Just so, behind Australia and England. And so, how oh, does, uh, Sorry, France and England. How does that make you feel about this upcoming World Cup as well? T- tell me about that story. Oh, really looking forward to this. This will be my second one in charge. Uh, we can't wait. I've got a great feeling about the bunch we're going to be taking to this World Cup now. So just look out for us in the finals. <laughs> That's that. our plan. We're not planning on anything else. There's none of this. Or oh, if we get third, we'll be happy. No, I want the finals. Yeah, okay. And so and so, you're, you're anticipating that you're going to come up against France or England in that one? Is that what you're thinking? Uh, the group we're in, we've got um, Australia, us, hang on, us, Australia, Scotland, America. So it's going to be a tough group for us. But, yeah, we're hoping to then get through to the semis and the finals, which will probably have France and England in at some time or other. Yeah, okay. How did you how did you end up qualifying for that? Partially because of the world rankings. Yeah, yeah. Because we've got such a good win-loss record at the moment. And being a... Currently, we're a tier two, but we're hoping to become a tier one nation as well soon for wheelchair. So all that helps as well. How do you go um, about making we that put in our We put our bid in to become a member of the 2021 World Cup. And the selection committee go through a criteria, how well the game's developing in Wales, its sustainability and just things like that, and we came out quite well on it. I bet. Okay, but tell me more about how do you how do you go from being T1 to T2? It's to do with the International Federation, that's... So uh, we're not exactly sure how it's going to happen. I think it has stuff to do with your stand-ins and everything like that. So it's a fingers crossed, that one is, because I know Wales currently stand at a tier two across the board. But we're hoping that the wheelchair team will get into the tier one level, which puts us as like one of the best countries in the world. But standing at third, we're already there. Mm. I just want to get up in the standings now. And so you said before that you're going to be against France, Scotland and and America. Have you played any of those teams recently? Uh, Last time we played France was in 2017 in the World Cup. Yep. Unfortunately, everything got put on the season never happened last year because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, USA never played them before. They're a fairly new team coming in. Um, this year, we're looking at the Netherlands, another new team coming in. Um, Scotland, we play them regular because yeah. uh, we have a Celtic Cup which is Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, which Wales are four-sign holders of that yes. <laughs> So we're doing well there. <laughs> so Is that played yearly? Yes, played yearly. Unfortunately, last year's yeah. was cancelled. Yeah. Uh, it was due to be hosted by Scotland 
in April, but that's now been moved to June. And for the first year ever, it's been fully sanctioned by the Rugby League International Federation on their calendar as well. Now, do you think they're doing... Are you starting to get a bit of a feel, particularly with this World Cup and, and things like you've just mentioned them, do you feel like the International Rugby League Board is really investing quite heavily into wheelchair rugby league over the last year or so? It does seem to be going along them route lines, yeah. Um, they're really keen now to get all the competitions fully sanctioned and really making a big spectacle of it. Like, first time ever, the wheelchair has been classed as the main tournament in a World Cup. Mm. Going to be televised for the first time ever. Yeah. Normally, wheelchairs part and parcel of the festival, so... It just shows there how well our game version of the game is coming along. Yeah, and the respect and pride that the the competition and the sport and the and the audience and fans are, are giving it. And so, do, well, is that yeah. ma- is that making everyone in the squad a bit nervous, like playing in international? No, not at all. Really, not at all. We've got a great grounded squad, and been told don't worry about anything going off. Outside the court, what the governing bodies are doing, the televised part, don't worry about any of that. Just get on that court and play for yourself and your teammates. That's incredible because I know I keep reading all of these news articles and things about the upcoming World Cup and I'm not I'm not playing in it in any way. I'm on the other side of the world and I'm getting excited and nervous every time I read about it. So <laughs> to be part of it, that must be just an incredible feeling. Oh, to be part of this one, especially with the addition of a being the main tournament yes. alongside the men's and women's, it's unbelievable, this one. I think this is going to be the best World Cup for wheelchair rugby league to date. I think it's the third one now, but it's going to make the other two look like nothing. Yet yeah, they were good tournaments, so don't get me wrong, I'm mm. not belittling them, but it's the fact that everyone in the countries. The towns we're playing out of, Sheffield, for instance, yeah. with Wales, they're getting really excited for us going there and getting behind us. So it's just been a great build-up so far. And, yeah, it is difficult to get the players to concentrate on what's going on. But, like I said, <laughs> we've got a good grounded squad, so hopefully that will go in our favour. Now, excuse my terrible knowledge of um, UK geography, but is Sheffield close enough to Wales uh, um, that there would be a lot of supporters that could could go there and watch those games? Um, It's a couple of hours. Depends whereabouts in Wales, but from where I'm based, which is the north end of Wales, it's about a two, three-hour drive, so it's not too bad. Um, We know a lot of uh, Welsh fans have already bought tickets. Hopefully, they'll still be allowed to use them, whether it be in the potential COVID restrictions Mm. still. Mm. But we're hoping that we're going to get some great uh, support there from Welsh and English fans. Well, and Australian fans, mate. I'm now all in on Wales. Oh, definitely Aussie fans. So, (laughs) first time we played against them, 2017, and we made some great friends in the squad. Yeah, right. They're a great bunch of lads. And girls. 
Well, obviously, I have, um, I've got Australia running in the Group A, but in Group B, I'm now tied closely to your uh, Red Dragon, so I can't wait to see you guys do well and then hopefully find us in the final. Oh, no, that would be a final and a half, that. <laughs> Taking on the Wheel of Roos, bit of revenge there for us. <laughs> Uh, okay, and so what What do you think can happen after that? So let's just say it is Australia-Wales final, uh, you know, and, and one of us wins by one. That's an incredible game. What What could happen then for Wheelchair Rugby League um, for in Wales or, or um, you know, the UK? What do, what, what do you think could happen if it, if the tournament does live up to the, to the hype and, and it's great? I don't think it's just Wales or the UK. I think it's going to be worldwide, right. this tournament purely because the amount of television it's going to get and the amount of publicity, it's just going to do the wheelchair version of the game so much good. More and more countries are going to be looking at it thinking, right, well, we've got so much of a disabled population. Yes. Why can't we give this scope? Because, like I said, the beauty of the wheelchair version is it's fully inclusive. You don't have to be disabled to play it. Yes, you've got your three to two count for match days, but apart from that, age, sex, religion, colour, whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, wow. If okay. you want to play it, jump in a chair and a local club to you will let you play. Yeah. So I think it's just going to do great stuff for the game worldwide. Oh, I completely agree with you, Steve. I love it. Now, if we can just for the last time put your North Wales Crusaders hat back on. You're such, yep. a, you're such a influential and big person. There's so many different versions of Steve Jones I'm talking to. I'm loving it. What's uh, what's planned for the future for North Wales Crusaders? Um, well, as you know, we've got the three teams going in again this year. Uh, we're hoping to get the PDRL team physically disabled up and running this year. Uh, our next big step will be the LDRL team, which is learning difficulties. Um, we're just going to carry on with all our schools projects where we take our chairs and a few of the players into local primary and secondary schools. And it helps not just introduce the game of rugby league to the school children, but also helps break down the barriers of disability as well. Wow. So that is a big part of what we want to do and what we're planning on carrying on doing. That's fantastic. And then just surely carry on growing the club like we have been. So tell me more about that that schools thing. So how long have you been doing that for? Or is that is that a future plan? Uh, we've been doing it on and off now for about, well, literally since the club has been going. Right. But it's more so the last three to four years. Um, last year, we weren't able to do anything purely because yeah. we weren't allowed into the schools due to the pandemic. But the year before, we went into one of the biggest uh, special needs schools in the North Wales. and. I think we had over 100 children in the 24 hours we'd run it for. Wow. And it was great to look on some of their faces, especially those that have the disabilities, and are probably thinking, oh, there's no, I'll never get to play rugby. And they thoroughly enjoyed it. And kids are still asking us to go back. Unfortunately, we're not allowed at the moment. But it's just one of them things. You see a kid's face 
when they realise, yeah, okay, my mate's in a wheelchair. God, I can play rugby with him. Yeah. It's, or her even, it's fantastic. And it's a really big buzz for us to do that. And the coaching team and a lot of our players are always asking, oh, when we're doing it next, will Einfried come to that one? So we've had a big buy-in by the club in general and schools are just waiting for us to get back out there and do it. It costs the schools nothing. We supply all the equipment, the time. And I'm not sure if some of our players get more fun with it than the kids sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, We even make the teachers get in the chairs and have a go. That's great. And Steve, I'd never considered that... that, um, uh, you, You mentioned at the top, you know, being able to do it with your family... But I never also considered that people, um, able-bodied friends, wouldn't be able to play those sports um, with their other friends. And so here's an opportunity where everyone gets to be on the same team and the same sport um, with no boundaries or, or, or complications, yeah. and everyone plays together. I never considered that. That's a phenomenal uh, part of the game, particularly for people in schools. Well, that's it. It's the huge selling point as far as I'm concerned with that game. The fact that we are so fully inclusive. As long as you have the correct ratios on a match day, during training, it doesn't matter. And like I say, what other sport can you get two friends, one who's maybe got difficulties with their legs and one who's running around like a lunatic? (laughs) What other sports can you put them both together on an equal playing field? Yeah, in a team sport. Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, so so how can people get involved? How can how can people support uh, either the North Wales Crusaders Club or, or Welsh Rugby League or, or whatever you think needs support? How can people help? Easiest way is just uh, go onto our Facebook or our website, uh, Crusaders Disability Sports Club and it's got all the contact details there. Um, my contact is on. I'm always happy to talk to anyone who wants us to go in and help. Um, we've given advice to other teams, to other countries. Um, we're more than happy to talk to anyone who wants to either invest time, wants to come and play, or just wants more information about the sport in general. And Steve, I um, love You go on Wales Rugby League or the RFL's websites, there's plenty of information out there about the wheelchair teams in this country, and I'm sure it's the same with other countries. I know Australia at the moment, uh, Queensland, and all them are putting in big things with wheelchair rugby league. I love that I asked you, Steve. How can how can people support and help you? And all you did was start telling how you how itemizing how you can help somebody else. That's obviously the the kind of person you are, and and why you and and the people around you are being so successful. Because instead of looking to see how you can get help, you're constantly looking to see how you can help others, mate. That's a fantastic trait. Yeah, but the way I look at it, though, for every person, every two people I help, one of them will come back and do something that will help us. Mm. It's just a knock-on effect. We give more help. I don't care. It grows the sport, and that's all I want to do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, thanks, Steve. This has been great, mate. That's all the questions and comments I have. Did you have anything else before we finish? No, just thank you for giving us a chance to get our version of the sport out there to the wider community, especially to countries that may never have heard of it before. 
and I'm I'm with really you. Appreciate it. Well, I'm all around Wales now in Group B of the World Cup. I'm super excited about that, and <laughs> I can't wait to see how you go with the Celtic Cup in June or so. So please let me know. I'll I'll try and follow it on Facebook. But if I um if you haven't heard from me, tell me how it goes because I'd love to um I'd love to give you some support there. Yeah, we'll definitely be in touch, mate. Thanks, mate. Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by Matt Haynes Sport. We are mixed and produced by Paul Murchison. Our theme music was written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. The podcast is hosted by me, Michael Carboni, and The Biggest Tiger. Views are our own. Listener.